Tea Time, Midlife Edition. It's not a coffee break. It's tea time. Slow down. Relax. It's your turn. Welcome, 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 welcome. Turn the tea kettle on. Pick your favorite tea. Grab your favorite teacup. Let it steep. Add what you will. Find a cozy spot. It's tea time. Midlife edition. Welcome. This is Tea Time Midlife Edition. And I'd like to thank you ladies for coming today. Uh, today we're talking about the state of racism uh, from the eyes of midlifers. Uh, today we are actually just taking on the conversation uh, newly and uh, just being in community and uh, looking at and discussing all the things that we've been seeing out in the world today. And as midlifers, we're probably in our, uh, let's say, 40, 50, 60s, whatever that is. So we know what it's like from back in the past of the 60s, and we're living it now currently. Uh, we're here today with, um, I call it the Tea Time Masters. These are women who are powerful and taking on their life powerfully and uh, actually standing in their own power. So um, the people here today, I have uh, Alicia Hutchison, we have uh, Debbie uh, Harding, and we have LaVon France, and we have Hildy, Hildy, how do you say your last name? Neuenhausen. Yes, Neuenhausen. Yeah, yes. not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to butcher it. I got so it. So I just I thank it. everybody for just being on the call. I really appreciate that. And um, I, this, since this is tea time, we always start off with what tea are you drinking? So besides introducing yourself, uh, share what tea you're drinking and tell us just a little about yourself, Alicia. Okay, um, my name is Alicia Hutchison. I am drinking uh, pure leaf tea. It's a, a mix of the um, just the plain unsweetened black tea with a little bit of the raspberry tea, which is sweetened. So I like to mix them together and then I get a nice balanced tea there. Um, I was born in Detroit during the struggle for civil rights. Uh, grew up in small town Ohio, graduated from small town Ohio, went, did my undergrad and my master's back in Detroit. I've been, um, I was in the Peace Corps for a couple of years and so, and I've been actually working, doing a little bit of diversity inclusion and inclusion training on a very basic level. For the past couple of years, so um, you know, race has always been part of my life, and it's so important that we're talking about it right now uh, because a lot of people just don't want to hear about it, and um, they just there's they have to listen now. There's no way that you can not listen. So that's me. Gotcha. Thank you. Got it, Hildy. Yeah, so uh, my name is Hilde Nieuwenhuizen. I'm originally from the Netherlands. 
and I grew up there and um, I'm a massage practitioner. I have my own practice and I work in a hotel and um, I'm currently have a, um, a nonprofit calling Healing Pathways, Crossing Bridges to Peace. And it's about racism and the conversation of reconciliation around it. Mm. And um, uh, it, you know, for me, I didn't really grow up in the Netherlands uh, with many black people around me. And I always thought that, you know, we don't have this in Holland until I had actually a friend who was married to um, Jocelyn. He is from Curaçao and um, they bought a house and she went to look at the house and she's, and the person said, yes, you know, it's for sale. We'll have a look around. Uh, let's fill out the papers and then bring your husband tomorrow. And then the next day she brought her husband and the gentleman says, oh, um, the, the house is, is not available anymore. And it was actually the first time for me that I heard that something happened like that in the Netherlands. Wow. And it shocked me. Uh, moving forward, coming to America, um, it was much more prevalent. Um, I've really, uh, I, I used to play African dance and African drumming. And in that, in that world, which was a, beautiful beautiful precious world i loved it um uh, we had a lot of conversation uh, around this and um uh, so it opened my eyes and uh, through my through my uh nonprofit, it has even opened my eyes more the specifically about the systemic racism that has been going on through laws and you know the redlining and and uh you know it, it's just the deeper you go into it the the more you discover how per pervasive it is through whole, the whole of society, in our language, in our behaviors that we sometimes even don't know anymore, um, that that it's that it's embedded in us. Absolutely. Well, this is this is going to be a good conversation, uh, <laughs> Levon, France. If you can share what kind of tea you're drinking today and uh, a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am drinking um, my favorite chai tea with um, mm -hmm. a little milk and a little bit of sugar. I, I love the spiciness of, of chai tea and it, it's really comforting for me. So I, I drink it a lot. Um, and while I'm currently retired, I spent much of my career in the science field versus uh, in forensic toxicology and then later working for a pharmaceutical company as a project manager. Um, and as far as race and racism, uh, it's been, an, unfortunately, an integral part of my life. Um, um, myself and many members of my family have um, experienced racism in one form or another, whether um, it be just totally blatant racism or whether it be just um, overt and subtle. Um, and, you know, one of the things as an African-American that you learn as you grow up and um, Get exposed to racism is how to pick it up quickly and um, uh, 
basically learn mechanisms to get out of the space where, where that type of behavior is, is occurring. And unfortunately, um, it, it's still alive and well today. I, I grew up in the, in the 70s and um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 80s and um, the 90s and the early, you know, 2000s were, were very positive and, and showed some change, but there was always still an underlying current and recent occurrences um, in the last couple of weeks have shown that racism, racism is alive and, and well in America, unfortunately. Fair to say. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Debbie Harding, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a Bengal spice chai. It's a chai. It is comforting. I love it. Mm. Um, nice and spicy. And <laughs> try, to, try to have it at the end of the day. Um, it's calming. Um, I am... I'm probably older than all you ladies, so I had the great pleasure of uh, growing up in the 50s and 60s uh, and Mm -hmm. 70s. Yay, Uh, yay. (laughs) I was, uh, I I think of um, the comic, I think, you know, uh, what's his name, Steve uh, Martin, you know, I grew up a a small black child, and I'm just kidding, but yes. my, my, my family was um, mixed race. My mother's uh, parents are uh, Mexican, dark skin, and um, mm-hmm. you know, my father was German, light skin, but we literally lived on the wrong side of the tracks. Um, so it's kind of interesting, 13 years later when my little sister was born, we lived on the right side of the tracks, so it's a whole different scenario. But um, uh, mostly I grew up with um, the old um, paradigm of children are to be seen and not heard. And women in general were um, not valued. Um, and then <clears throat> I went to um, uh, college and then graduate school at Bryn Mawr and uh, social work. Um, research and development, wanted to make laws. And um, again, it was about uh, the social fabric of our society. And, you know, basically the, uh, the worst thing to be was an old black woman in the late 70s. Um, so um, uh, after graduating uh, graduate school, I chose not to get into government work only because I couldn't, but uh, I got into social um, social work and um, was uh, trained and developed in family therapy and um, worked in child abuse and cases, both um, physical and sexual. And I, I was fairly, fairly successful um, and my reward in being fairly successful was getting the worst and worst cases. So finally burnt myself totally out, um, <laughs> lost my sense of humor, and um, uh, quit and um, uh, started my own hot air balloon business, 
where I give joy to people. <laughs> Which is a great thing. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And really, thank you, ladies. Uh, so let's just get into it. Uh, just a state of affairs that have been occurring out in the world today. Uh, what is your experience um, around, let's say, not just racism, but uh, police interaction with uh, people of color? Have you had any experiences? Have you had friends who've had an experience? And um, what's your take on it? Anyone can jump in. Okay. I think um, for me, it, it, the ending of his speech was where, where I see it is systemic. It is baked into the fabric of society. Um, uh, again, my, my game in the world is uh, equality for women hmm. uh, playing in the, the uh, gender gap. And it, it's funny, I, I looked up the word subservient in the diction dictionary and it says, a woman is subservient to a man. So it's, it's ingrained, you know, so just think of those words and what it says in the dictionary. I mean, it's, it has to start from the very beginning with families and within families and, and uh, changing the conversation. Yeah, and I, I, I know you're talking about the, the video um, from Baratunde Thurston called How to Deconstruct Race, Racism. Yeah, that's on YouTube and it's a TED Talk. So yeah, I get what you're saying. It does have to start at home on, uh, uh, you know, the actions you take, which is not always call the cops. <laughs> There's other right. actions. Yes, got it. Yeah, for it's my- It's very fear-based, isn't it? Um, uh, say? It's very fear-based, isn't it? Very much so. Yeah, it's to intimidate one over the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And power. Yeah, and domination. Yeah. Versus protect and serve, which was the contract. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if you just think of, you know, history and how the police force was originally built and um, who was part of the police force. You, if you look back to its origins and how it started, um, you can begin to see how we do need to maybe, um, I'm not all for throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but yeah. in this case, it might be a good idea to throw the baby out with the bathwater because the baby was corrupt from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and in the, in the beginning, you know, uh, the policers were the the um, the overseers on, on, on the plantations and the slave hunters, um, and that just transitioned into um, other forms of control in the police. You know, the early police and even police today, and so. Um, we need to find a way to protect everyone and, and protect them in the same way. Um, and there have been, through history, reforms of the police that have just, have made small changes, but, but haven't gotten to the underlying systemic issue. Because we've, one reason, because we've never really talked about the underlying systemic issue. And um, we, we don't even 
it's so ingrained in all of us. And I'm, I'm talking all Americans, black, white, yeah. no matter your color, it's so ingrained that sometimes you don't even see it yourself. You know, me as an African-American, sometimes it just totally escapes me that something had a racist tilt until someone points it out to me. And then I'm like, oh, I don't believe I missed that. You know, so it's, we just really have to dialogue and we have to unpack it to understand it to the the smallest degree, just like Barracunde did. He helped us unpack it. And I was enlightened by um, that TED talk and, and learned something. And it, I mean, it's because I never even thought to try and diagram those, you know, headlines that we all see and hear on the news. And when you do, it just becomes so blatantly obvious that yeah. it's like, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the sensationalizing of the headlines, you know, so they can get a rise, but not realizing that uh, every time that uh, they speak on uh, events that happened and uh, um, uh, a white person may call on a black person to uh, um, have the cops come, that is actually, they're just living their life. And, you know, it's no, no one version. So please don't hear as anything as all this, all that. It is event by event, uh, you know, that things happen. And uh, those headlines are not serving anyone. All they're doing is using to draw people in so it, so it could stay separate, you know. They separate and divide, which, you know, it's not serving us. It's not serving us. Not at all. Mm -mm. Um, I would like to say that, you know, you asked um, about the current state of things and the whole, I think you're referring to the defunding of police that mm -hmm. people are talking about now. And, and I think they have a poor choice of terms because then that scares a lot of people. But if they were to say defund the militarization of the police, bam, totally different thing. Bam. And that's, that's where we really need to focus now. There, it is systemic. It's structural. It's been there for just like um, Levon was saying, it's totally been there forever. So you might have to deconstruct the whole thing and then have everybody reapply. And you might have to have everybody go through this process before they can be reinstated as police. Because, um, you know, when somebody does something, their comrade, you know, the, their, their colleagues are not going to report them or whatever because they stand up for each other. Exactly. You know, it's a tough job. We get it. But use of force, the way that we've seen it, and it, we know it's been out there for a long time. I'm, I'm white, and I've experienced, um, I've, I've been treated unfairly by the police a couple of times. I can just imagine to the nth degree of how it comes up for a person of color. And I have an experience when I was um, 18 years old, somewhere 18, 19 years old, I was working uh, at uh, one of those strip malls outside. They were having a... Um, uh, it was a clothing store and I was on my break and I was going to another store in the strip mall to um, have, have lunch. And someone rode by on a bike, 
he was probably 13, 14 years old, and he grabbed my necklace. I had a couple of them on. It was the 80s. Yeah. Ripped them off my neck. I had two gold chains, I think it was. Ripped them off my neck, and it was an instinct for me. I turned around. I grabbed the seat of the bike and, you know, knocked him off his bike. So I picked up his bike. I took it back to the store where I worked. I and I gave it to the security guard. And I said, you know, he just not, you know, he just stole my necklaces off my neck. And the security guard did not call the police. He gave the kid back his bike and he let him go on his way. Wow. And I always felt that that was so wrong that he did that. Mm-hmm. But now I know why, because this kid was only 13 years old, and if he would have called the police and you know, if two white cops showed up, they and the security guard who was also black, you know, he, he knew that. And I know that now because this security guard was a good guy too, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why I was really confused. I'm like, why, why did he let him get away with that? But he gave him a little talking to, and hopefully the kid got the story, you know, you know, that he shouldn't, try it again, at least not in that area. Anyway, so that's just one um, experience that I had. And, and then it makes you like understand finally all these years later, oh, maybe that's why he didn't call the police on this kid. Yeah. Yeah. That is a real, real challenge uh, because it can be, you know, a deadly force. It's almost like, unfortunately, they're becoming, uh, and I hate to say it because I really hate to generalize because I've had good experience with cops and I had, you know, like one that was, if I said three words too fast, I was in trouble. So I just chose not to say three words (laughs) and let that experience just happen. So, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and, uh, it's a challenge because um, this is over years of, uh, of, of, I call it domination, and they're the new gang. You know, if you really start looking at it, we're talking, this is the blue gang. <laughs> this is not casual, you know, where, because they're, they're backing each other up and, you know, uh, not telling. But, you know, and what's getting lost in it is the trust. Because um, every time uh, someone has a bad experience, they lose trust in their authority, but yet they're demanding respect and authority. Like that doesn't mm-hmm. work. You can't have it both ways. You can't dominate. You can't uh, demand respect. And yet you keep breaking the trust. You know, eventually people stop reaching out to you because they don't trust you. Yeah. There is. A- so, so I, I, um, Building. I, yeah, I, what, I, what, really, what really stood out with me in the conversation or with Barachunda was the, in the end when he just says the word lynching and calling the cops, and I would like to add police brutality to that, to that, it's like he makes this connection that we think that the lynching has left mm-hmm. and it actually hasn't because the, it, it, it is so ingrained, it just has shifted and transformed into other ways of doing the same thing. Um, and it, it might, you know, it might be more white colors as we say it, you know, it might be more sophisticated, uh, although the Bruce, the police brutality is really definitely not sophisticated, but they're protected under the law and to, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, I mean, that, that really 
sort of shook shook me uh, that he said that and you know it it really brought me back to i, I was reading about the um um uh, the doctrine of discovery which is you know the concept of public international law by the united states and of the supreme court and it's actually based on you know uh religion and christianity and and uh, the fact that the white person is um you know uh, superior above all the other races and you know it, it so it's it's 400 years of slavery but i think it is thousands of years that white men have said we are superior and any person of color is 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 not like us and and they used quotes of the bible to support them mm -hmm. you know even though there are other quotes in the bible and don't get me wrong i i i grew up catholic i don't know a lot about the bible but but the, there are quotes that that say the opposite because ultimately jesus is for love and caring about your neighbors and but they carrying this this white you know white supremacy this white privilege has been there for much longer than even slavery it's ingrained mm -hmm. Mm. and so you know i'm it, it's not surprising that it, because the language didn't transform the the actions didn't transform like baratunda says mm -hmm. um it's still so prevalent. Yeah. You know? It's like, uh, you know, I think I, I forgot where I heard this. It's like when you go into a room and, uh, you know, it's dust all around you, but you don't know it until the light turns on. Then you realize, mm -hmm. oh my God, it was all around me. I thought mm -hmm. it was just something I could touch. No. So in, in the way of uh, discrimination, as well as, uh, um, uh, how uh, people of color, not just black, but you know, uh, Hispanic and Latinos are treated. It's um, that kind of brutality is all around us. So, um, yeah, it, the actions. In, the, mm -hmm. the in that language, it's legitimized. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. You know? it, yeah. It's through the law, it becomes legitimized almost. Yeah. And that is the dangerous part. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. By design. It's by design. by design. Yeah. Yeah. It's a way of controlling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. So. Um, it's uh, kind of funny when I was growing up, uh, when the, the bad boys became cops because they wanted to carry guns. You know, so it has, I mean, I think we're in a lot better place than we were then. I think there is a lot more education going on. It's just, um, it's just so sad that we have it set up as a system of one against the other all the way around, you know, and, and if we, if we just sat down and shared our commitment, you know, our commitment is to live in a safe society. Their commitment is to live in a safe society. You know, we want to do things. <laughs> yeah. You know. Right. Yep. That, that is fair. That is fair to say. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, unless the officers have training that is diverse and that that who are policing the neighborhoods or people from the neighborhoods or live in the neighborhoods it will always uh um uh be us versus them 
see when you're among when you're among your you know the people it, it's you know you get to know people uh you get to uh, uh experience their culture or their whatever that is you get to experience all that and that, that seems like that that's a missing now i used to live in minneapolis so i actually uh knew minneapolis as being a very culturally diverse you know city so um i was surprised to hear that uh, um that uh the the cops were coming from the outskirts of Minneapolis and working in an inner city. Now, I know from my own experience of uh, living in Minnesota, I have visited friends and I was the first black friend they had and their kids ever met. So that is like, wow. And that was in the like, you know, 90s. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, really? Yeah, you did not even a one, you know, but that is how that was designed and they're having their, their world be designed that way versus being you know, diverse, which is the key. Uh, well, another area let's look at is um, uh, your experience around uh, do you uh, interact with or have friends uh, that are, are of, of different cultures in your social life? Because now you can work with someone who is a, a multi, you know, like from a different race, but but do you have them as your friends where they come over to your house and they go to your barbecues? Because I think that is something that is a missing, like there's a cultural, you know, like there's a work environment and there's a, you know, you know um, synergy that goes in that space, but yet there's no synergy um, outside the workspace. What's your experience around that? One of my better friends, his name is Kevin. Um, he comes, uh, we've gone on trips together. Um, we went to Ecuador together and he, the kids were fascinated with his hair and would touch his hair and, um, you know, follow them around. He had a whole little troop of kids following them around. <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> yeah. You know, one, of, one of the story we have a place where we can shoot shoot guns, as a matter of fact, and he has like some big Uzi or something, but I don't know, it's it's big. And anyway, uh, we invited him to the house to shoot and um, he gets to the house and he's, you know, getting one piece of his gun from the trunk and another one from a glove compartment, another one from, and we're going, why would you do that? It's like, Think about it. I'm a black man. <laughs> Great neighbor. <laughs> I Got it. Got it. These are, well, you got to yeah, protect. <laughs> got it. <laughs> yep. Isn't it a shame that he had to think about all of that before he was able to bring his gun with him? Right. Yeah. And right. that's, that's the challenge right there. That mm-hmm. is the challenge. Yeah. And these guys that you saw at the Michigan State Capitol, they yep. didn't think about doing that twice. That, that, that gun was probably on a rack on the back of their truck. Yes. Yeah, fair to you say. Absolutely correct, yeah. Fair mm-hmm. to say, yeah. It's, it's okay to have that, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the back of the truck, but yet a guy with his uh, license to carry a gun and then shows him legally and he gets shot anyway. Like, how you know, I, I just... I'm, yeah, my thing is all the broken trust. 
that is where I just think if, if, if that is, you know how if you're in a relationship and someone breaks the trust, how mm-hmm. does that work out? That usually doesn't work out if you break the trust. It, you literally have to either get help <laughs> to try to save the relationship or you have to uh, start anew. And so that's something we might just have to take a look at it starting anew. You know, uh, it's, well, it, it's a lot of broken trust. Yeah. A lot Absolutely. of broken trust. So, um, so uh, I wanted to, Regina, I just wanted to, to speak on your last question as well. Yes. So as yes. for, for my part, I, I have always believed that building relationship is the, the way to building racial healing. Back in um, the, the late 90s and 2000, I belonged to um, St. Vincent de Paul Church in, in Germantown. It's a Catholic church. And um, we had this process called um, the racial healing that where we um, brought together um, people of, of different races to, to talk about racism and to talk about white privilege and um, to educate ourselves on it. And one of the things we did, we had small groups and we would talk about these various topics. So, um, as we moved through the process, it became evident that we needed to do more than um, just come together and talk, that we needed to begin to build relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, um, suggested I, I was very much part of, of this um, initiative in the church um, and so one of the things that we had recommended was for for people to you know start book groups and you know movie groups and yep. you know to come together on under with some common um, ground that you know something you all like uh, would be one way to begin this relationship and um, out of that um, one one of the groups that I became involved in was a movie group um, of uh, several people of color as well as um, some Caucasians came together and actually we've been meeting for, I guess it's been almost 20 years now. Um, wow. and, um, have developed, you know, a very close relationship. And in, in, in addition to that, you know, in, in my family, um, I, I'm actually married to a Caucasian man and, um, have some stepchildren who, I feel are very much my children <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, in other parts of my family, other members are in um, interracial relationships. So I, I've been exposed, you know, from a quite young age, my, one of my older brothers married um, uh, a woman from Taiwan. And so I've had multiple exposures throughout my life where I've been fortunate be able to develop relationship with what you know for me would be considered other and to get to know people on that level but I also challenge myself to if I if I don't know someone who is of a particular um, group to to get to know more about that group through my reading and other experiences to, to develop a better understanding 
of what they're going through, um, you know, from their perspective so that I don't always look at the world, you know, through my own lens, but yeah. have the ability to look through other people's lenses. Yes. Very great. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. The point of view, if you see only your point of view, you can't see anything else. And uh, I think that's why this is a really interesting and, you know, um, hopefully transformative time where we're looking through other mm. people's point of view and, uh, and taking that into account. And by doing that, that will definitely open, God willing, and bridge the gap. Because, you know, if you're only looking through your lens, all you can see is what you have in your, basically, in your head <laughs> versus what really is happening and being very present to it. So I have a question too, last one, because we're definitely getting to uh, the witching hour. <laughs> but uh, uh, actually, I'm really excited, and it's kind of a statement-ish question. Um, with the young people um, that are uh, stepping up and standing up and uh, showing up. And uh, do you feel that as a midlifer, you can just, you know, now lay back and let them just handle it? You know, this is their turn. Let them step up and just take it and go running. Or do you feel that since you have experience and you have the knowledge that you too should participate in your own rescue with them? Oh, I definitely have that last, the latter. Um, I'm amazed about how many young people are stepping up and powerfully stepping up um, uh, all across colors, you mm -hmm. know? Racist, um, sure. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, like even um, I was listening to a, a part of the uh, International Black Summit uh, uh, there was a, a group of children that said to the adults, like, listen, you have your own summit. And we want our own summit and we're going to start it, you know, yes, absolutely. And I have a, a, a friend Latifa, her, her, her daughter. She is like, I mean, she, I mean, they're just amazing. Like these children, they talk, you know, they have conversations with each other and they're, they're like aware and, and it's beautiful to watch. And yeah. together with the experience that I can bring, we can have, we, we can elevate the conversation to a whole different level together. Absolutely. Your experiences, their experiences, everyone's mm -hmm. learning from each other. Absolutely. Which is make life worth living. Yeah. <laughs> One view, not, you got to see all views and all experiences. Is that why we travel anyway? It is. It <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden and, you can't, you don't see it at home. You got to travel mm -hmm. to see it. Why is that? Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wanted to add one thing to it, Regina, if you, if I can, mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, it really is like a lot of people say, why do we have to think about this? You know, why do we have to deal with this? It was in the past. It's our ancestors who did that. And I think what's happening today is that to me, the, the most important thing is going to be that we are taking responsibility and accountability that yes, it has happened, but here we are. And we are the only ones who can take the responsibility and being accountable for it to transform it to something that, you know, really creates a difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, very and, true. and so, you know, it's the next generation that needs to take that on. And so that's young people, but also, you know, people of midlife. Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect, Tony. I, I think, you know, the, you hear the sins of your fathers and, 
and you know i'm i I can own that and it is mm -hmm. my responsibility to pay it forward and to share what I have learned and, um, and love, you know? Yeah. And love. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I agree with that too. I feel it's fantastic that, you know, Gen Z and millennials are really taking this to heart and it's fine to let them lead and let them be fired up and, and really make their parents listen because it's a lot of their parents and even grandparents who think, well, it's not a problem. Yeah. It wasn't the past. However, um, at us as boomers, because I think we all kind of fit in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah fair to say. A bit younger than boomers, but um, responsibility was the key that you said. It's our responsibility because we're kind of in the middle of all this and yeah. we went through the 60s and we should not be revisiting that now. However, um, apparently nothing was resolved. And again, that is by design. Yes. And so now, you know, people can't say no to their kids. So you want, you don't want your kid out there in the street um, demonstrating during a pandemic. Well, then you better do something and you better take some responsibility to uh, acknowledge what has been done and to just help do something about it. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, besides just voting is actually, you know, supporting things that will uh, bring about change, including black businesses and, you know, multicultural businesses. It's like all that and educate yourself, literally watching mm -hmm. not just TED Talk videos. I mean, uh, uh, PBS uh, has great documentaries from Louis Gates. Um, uh, his stuff is extraordinary. If you truly want to know history, that is where to go. I mean, they mm -hmm. have it so clear and it's not about to make wrong you know, it's about uh, um, just not willing to repeat and to take ownership of right from wrong so really at the end of the day that is why uh, at the bid lifers age and or uh, young people coming up it's really to um, to take ownership of what was wrong and not repeat it and that is you know where why there is to stand up yeah i i just uh saw the 60 minutes um on sunday and they they had no idea but there was a town in the midwest that was prominent black um business booming and they actually bombed it um, and, mm. yeah Tulsa. and nobody i never Black you know, Street, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Black Wall mm -hmm. Street, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I get why, uh, uh, Alyssa, you keep saying it's by design because it really is a way of controlling and dominating and uh, keeping the man down. You know, you know, you know. At the end of the day, was it four hundred and one years of you know of being in slavery? But you know, now the freedom—it's only been about like sixty-four years. And then you say, "Oh my gosh, why can't you make this stuff happen?" You know, and it's like, nice. well, with your—you know—when you've had four hundred and one years head start, it's going to be a little hard to catch up. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> you know, and yeah, and and people really don't understand the impact of being in this space of being denigrated, um, ignored you know, uh, th systemically ignored, uh, the, the impact on the psyche is tremendous. And that goes from generation to generation. 
you know, I don't know if you know about Jane Elliott who did the blue eye, brown eye exercise yes. mm -hmm. with the children. Yep. And, yeah. you know, it, like in one day, these children were disempowered. You know, so. and, and, and then they switched it around and everybody knew the game and they still got disempowered. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. it, it, it's just like, and so have that for 400 years. Yeah. You know, it, it does something to you. And, and of course, like, like, I don't know if you saw Barack Obama's um, hour of uh, conversations. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, to yes. see the people there, like who are, you know, they, they're, they, they, they go through, um, they, they want to transform through the law and through, um, uh, you know, uh, education. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and it's just, it's just beautiful to watch that it's not only just a protest, but they're really from every angle they're you know, they're bringing about change, causing yeah. transformation and change. Yeah. And, uh, it was very powerful to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's powerful and enrolling, and that's why oh, you yes. have that's why you have uh, people, you know, mayor signing on, and uh, you know, mm -hmm. all over. You know, it's a powerful uh, conversation. Well, yes. ladies, I just want to acknowledge you for being the the type of people that would step up into a very uncomfortable conversation and uh, stand for you know transformation and stand for us having a, a world that works, you know, mm. for everybody. For everyone. Absolutely. Right. You got it. <laughs> Thank no you. One left behind. Yes. Absolutely. No one left behind. So um, I, you know, I thank you tea time masters for all your expertise and, and most of all, and your generosity. So thank you. And um, look forward to uh, chatting with you again. Because uh, mm -hmm. this is not Definitely. a one and done conversation, because uh, that is the point when you open up a dialogue around it, it um, you know, uh, racism, it's an ongoing conversation, because as it uh, falls off, it, it um, goes away, and then it goes back, sweeping back under the rug. So, yeah, let's keep that dialogue open. Wait, I'm yes, glad please. you said that, because that's what I, I did want to add, that that's it. You know, the president signed something today saying, you know, they're going to ban certain things or tear gas and, and chokeholds in certain ways and things like that. And the thing is, is that we just can't let up because they're going to say this, but then there's no enforcement or implementation of it. And that, that's something that's going to be different in this than it was in the 60s. These right. youngsters are not going to let up. And you could tell that because they, they're still out there in the streets today. And that's also because somebody else dies now every single day. And we have it on tape, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. yes. so, definitely. Wow. It makes a huge difference. Powerful. Powerful. Yeah. And that's the good thing when you have that good uh, young energy. It'll, it, it can definitely create momentum. And all you have to do is, you know, help push to make sure that they get where they're going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Have a good right. night. You too. Right. Good night. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Regina. Bye. Yes. It's tea time. Midlife edition. <laughs>